Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Have you heard about the 16,000 sheep and cattle stuck on a ship off the coast of WA? The MV Bahesia left Australia for the Middle East back on January 5, but was turned back due to the escalating conflict in the Red Sea. It arrived off the coast of Western Australia a week ago, and the livestock have been stuck on the ship ever since. The federal government announced yesterday it will not allow the ship to set sail for the Middle East. So they're stranded. Unfortunately, there's no good outcome for these animals. They uh, they will need to be uh, killed in, in some way. Um, we hope that that happens here on Australian shores so that they don't have to be uh, exposed to the stress of export again. We'll take a look at live exports in general and the crisis involving the MV Bahesia in the second half of the podcast. But first, Benson Siebert is here with the headlines. It is Tuesday, February 6. Good morning, Sasha. In breaking news, King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. Buckingham Palace released a statement at 5am Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time saying he will commence treatment and be stepping back from public duties. It comes after the monarch underwent a procedure for an enlarged prostate, although the palace has not confirmed what kind of cancer he has. The statement goes on to say Charles remains wholly positive about his treatment and he wanted to reveal his cancer diagnosis to head off any speculation and show solidarity with others who've been affected by the disease. An Australian writer detained in China has been handed a suspended death sentence in Beijing. Dr Yang Jun, a pro-democracy author, has been held in detention in China since 2019. He received the suspended death sentence at a hearing yesterday, meaning that if he does not commit any further crimes in the next two years, that will be converted to life imprisonment instead. The Australian government believes the charges against him are baseless and Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong fired up yesterday describing the judgment as harrowing. The Australian government is appalled at this outcome. We will be communicating our response in the strongest terms. He was arrested on espionage charges in 2019 after arriving with his family from New York and he did face a closed trial two years later, but his sentence was only handed down yesterday, Bensian. What what an unfortunate outcome in this horrible case. Absolutely. And the Australian is reporting some really awful details of his experience there. Apparently, his more than five years in detention has included being kept in a 1.2 metre wide cell with other prisoners in which the lights are always on and being interrogated for hours at a time while shackled. So just awful. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully the Australian government can make those strong representations and have something in this case reversed or changed so that this doesn't happen. Well, the holiday is over for federal politicians who will return to Canberra today for the first sitting of Parliament in 2024. And the day is set to be dominated by the Stage 3 tax cuts. The Albanese government is expected to introduce legislation to amend the policy today, which would see more Australians get a tax cut than was initially promised under Scott Morrison, but some on higher incomes get a lower tax cut. While Labor will have to defend itself over its promise not to make changes to the policy, 
policy, it's also set to face questions about how many taxpayers will be hit by bracket creep under the new plan. That's after Treasury officials revealed yesterday that Treasury didn't know how many people would end up paying more tax over a decade, but estimated that 70% of Australians on the lowest incomes would be better off. Yeah, and meantime, the coalition will formalise its position on the planned changes this morning and will likely not block the amendments, which, you know, we had started to suspect would be the case around last week. Uh, But the PM will cop a grilling during question time about when he decided to alter the plans brought in under Scott Morrison in 2019. Bensian, I know you're fired up about this. News poll has found uh, 62% of Australians supported Labor's changes, so it does sound like it's the more popular policy, but people are angry over the broken promise. Yeah, well, I think stage three was a political trap that was set by Scott Morrison for Anthony Albanese. And Anthony Albanese, by making these changes where the vast majority of people are going to get a tax cut when they wouldn't have otherwise, and even those who are on higher incomes that are losing money are still going to get a tax cut. It's now a political trap for Peter Dutton, and he has to decide what he's going to do about it. The problem for Peter Dutton is that there's a small proportion of people, a very small proportion of people, who are going to go, that bastard Anthony Albanese (laughs) is going to give me more money. (laughs) And he promised to not give me any money and now he's going to give me more money. I just don't think that there's much in that for Peter Dutton. Although um, there is obviously the point that when did Anthony Albanese make this decision because he has been saying that he won't do it for some two years now. And Taylor Swift has set her fans into meltdown, announcing she'll be releasing a new album. And no, it's not a re-record of one of her previous records. During her speech while accepting the Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Album, she revealed she'd been working on it for the last two years and it will drop in April. All I want to do is keep being able to do this. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. It makes me unbelievably blown away that it makes some people happy who voted for this award too. Meanwhile, Kylie Minogue bagged an award for Best Pop Dance Recording for Padam Padam. And let me say, all the queers are very happy about that. And Miley Cyrus took out record of the year for her song Flowers. The night wasn't without controversy. While accepting the Dr. Dre Global Impact Award, Jay-Z hit out at the Recording Academy for never giving Beyonce album of the year, despite her record hole of 32 Grammys over the years. Are you a Swifty, Bensian? I'm not a Swifty. I I like her stuff, but I, <laughs> I can't yeah. say that I have the obsession that that some people do. Well, Australia is about to be absolutely swept up in Swifty mania because her show starts next week. So she's in uh, Melbourne first from the 16th. That's when her first show kicks off on the Australian leg of her tour. She's only visiting Melbourne and Sydney. She's doing seven shows all up. And you just cannot underestimate the impact that Taylor Swift has. I know she's a pop star and, you know, if you're not really into music or you're not into pop music or you're not into whatever, she has this huge cultural impact and the fans went nuts yesterday when this dropped. So what they do is Taylor loves to drop clues about what she's going to do. Everything is very staged and like thoughtfully presented by Taylor. It's a 
it's a master stroke in PR, I think, from her. But, you know, she... <laughs> changed her profile on social media to black and white. Her website went down, but then Swifties dug into the code at the back end of the website and discovered all these words in different languages, which ended up marrying with the post she put up after the announcement, which was a poem. And that's because her new album is called Tortured Poets Department. So that's coming out on April 19. It is already on pre-sale though. And already people are flogging them for hundreds of dollars online. So I thought we might get a Taylor Swift break this year once she kind of left Australia, but it rolls on. The Taylor Swift mania rolls on. Thank you so much for joining us for the headlines today, Bensian. Now we're heading to our deep dive on the live export crisis in WA. And this story actually came from a listener, Colette Brennan, who wrote to us on Instagram. And she said, looking at that ship sitting off Fremantle at the moment, full of cattle and sheep is cruel. Sending live animals into a war zone should not be happening. Please follow up so everyone in Australia is aware of what is happening. So thank you, Colette, for the suggestion. That story is coming up next. Back in 2011, the then Gillard government banned live exports to Indonesia for six months. It followed a harrowing Four Corners report that found the exported livestock were exposed to extraordinary cruelty. The federal government was later sued over the ban and lost. The federal court found the ban was capricious and unreasonable, and the government didn't have the power to institute it. Well, fast forward to 2024, and the MV Bahija set sail for the Middle East on January 5. Its cargo, 16,000 livestock, a mixture of sheep and cattle. The ship was ordered to turn around by Australian authorities due to the escalating conflict in the Red Sea. It arrived off the coast of Western Australia on January 29, and the ship and its cargo have been stranded off the coast ever since. It did pull into Fremantle briefly last week to refuel before heading back out to sea. And all this is happening while southern WA is sweltering through a heatwave with temperatures hovering above 40 for two days last week. The main sticking point is that the livestock on board the ship cannot be reintroduced to the Australian herd due to biosecurity risks. So they are literally in limbo. Dr Suzanne Fowler is RSPCA's Chief Scientific Officer and she joins me now. Dr Fowler, thanks for being here on The Briefing. We saw that Four Corners report over a decade ago that showed the horrific cruelty that these animals face at their destination and what they actually go through on the ships. My question is, why is live exporting of livestock still happening? I think that's a really great question. Uh, Unfortunately, I think it's because uh, repeatedly uh, the finances are being put before the welfare of the animals at this point in time. Mm, Okay, so could you explain a bit more about that? How does that work for farmers in Australia exporting meat versus live animals? So one of the um, things that we've certainly noticed is that the live export of sheep in particular has dwindled significantly over recent years. And it's now less than 10% or thereabouts of the actual um, sheep flock sort of management options in Western Australia. And it's less than 1% of Australia's management options for sheep. So counter to that, we've actually seen a really massive boom in the export of frozen and chilled meat. So there's no really great explanation for why the live sheep export industry needs to continue at this point in time when frozen and chilled meat exports uh, seem to be so successful and seem to be a very appropriate alternative now. Mm. 
I guess we do understand that uh, there is a transition required and some time needed for farmers to be able to adapt and change and, and the rest of the Australian supply chain. Um, but that's why we're very supportive of the federal government's policy now to phase out live sheep export and to provide hopefully an assistance package to try and uh, assist with that transition over what will hopefully be a short number of years. Let's look at the conditions that these 16,000 animals are currently experiencing that are stranded in this crisis. How is it for them on board the ship? So these animals have now been on board the ship for a month. It left Fremantle on the 5th of January and it's now uh, a month later. And so the conditions are no doubt getting worse by the day for these animals. The cattle uh, will be experiencing a higher risk of respiratory disease and lameness and leg injuries. And the sheep in particular will be at risk of experiencing gastrointestinal disease and salmonellosis and other similar diseases. Their wool length is growing for the sheep. uh, And that in particular is one thing that we know uh, makes them more susceptible to heat stress and dying from um, heat because they can't cope with the heat and humidity, especially during a live export journey. The sheep also end up standing in their own waste. It's very difficult to clean out the sheep pens. And so they're standing in their own feces. As far as we understand it, the the government have told us that they're trying their best to clean out those pens, but the sheep pens are actually being manually cleaned out with shovels and wheelbarrows, which no doubt is even more stressful for the animals because uh, they're being jostled about in in these tight, confined pens. And so the animals are stressed, they're fatigued, they're fed up, and uh, it's time to get them off the vessel. What will happen to these animals if they can't go to the Middle East, given there's a escalating conflict in the Red Sea, say the decision is made by the federal government that they can't go back, what will happen to them? Oh, well, unfortunately, there's no good outcome for these animals. They uh, they will need to be uh, killed in, in some way. Um, we hope that that happens here on Australian shores so that they don't have to be uh, exposed to the stress of export again. They can't actually re-enter the, what we would refer to as the Australian herd um, for biosecurity reasons, and we acknowledge that. Um, but we do believe that those biosecurity risks could be managed well using uh, stockyards and um, other biosecurity measures here on Australian shores. Is that likely to happen, though, is, you know, given how strict our biosecurity laws are and the, I suppose, unwillingness by governing bodies to kind of test that theory, why can't we find a way that they can return into the Australian herd? Yeah, so um, you're right. Australia does have uh, some very strict biosecurity and we do pride ourselves on not having too many exotic diseases. But we know that this ship hasn't actually been to any other ports. It hasn't even been close to any other land masses that would bring a significant risk of an exotic disease. That is a disease that doesn't exist here in Australia. So any diseases that these animals have, they have from Australia. And uh Whether or not it's likely they can be managed here, well, the fact that a few hundred cattle have already been taken off the vessel tells us that there is some confidence that the biosecurity risks can be managed here on Australian shores, and we call for that to be the solution for the rest of the animals on the vessel as well. What have you heard from the federal government in terms of, A, what it plans to do, but B, why there's been such a delay in making a decision? We know when it was turned back, it took 10 days for the ship to return back to Australian shores. Why has there been such a long delay in having a decision made so that the welfare of these animals can be better protected? 
Uh, our understanding from reports from the federal government and the Department of Agriculture is that uh, the exporter, Bass and Dabba, did not actually put in an application for what they had planned to do with the animals after they had to turn around and avoid the Red Sea until very late in the in the process. And so that is quite a, a significant application for the federal Department of Agriculture to consider what should happen to these animals. Um, the application that's been put forward is unfortunately to re-export the animals, which brings with it significant risk. And so my understanding is the Department of Agriculture is considering all of those risks and trying to uh, find a solution as best possible. But realistically, it really lies here with the exporter, uh, hopefully to come up with a common sense solution and to find a way for these animals to be processed here on Australian shores to work with the West Australian government, the federal government and others to find a solution that can manage these animals within the biosecurity risks here in Australia and put their welfare first rather than treat them as a commodity, as we've heard them referred to by the industry over the last couple of weeks. Mm. Where do most of our live exported animals go? And could the conflict in the Red Sea be kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess, for opponents to animal cruelty and live exports? So a lot of our animals and a lot of our sheep in particular do go to the Middle East. There's a number of countries there. Um, the Red Sea is a common destination. Really, our focus at the moment is on these animals. Um, this is about the 14,000 sheep and 2,000 cattle. We want to see them uh, managed well with their welfare as a priority. What happens after that is really up to the government. Um, we do support their policy to phase out live sheep export. But right now, the focus is on the animals that are stuck on this vessel and have been for over a month now. What does the future look like in the short to medium term when it comes to live exports? I understand the federal government is supportive of a ban on live sheep exports, but what about other animals like cattle that are still being sent alive overseas by these cargo ships? Yeah, so in the immediate short term, we are calling on the exporters to halt any exports through or to the Red Sea or areas of conflict, uh, just so that we can avoid a situation like this happening again. In the short to medium term, I think this really goes to point to the lack of control and the just the sheer uh, issues and lack of transparency that we have with live sheep export. And so the federal government's policy to phase out live sheep export, we, we really hope that they uh, can make a decision on the phase out plan sooner rather than later and uh, that we can start transitioning to an end to live sheep export. As far as cattle export goes, the RSPCA has a policy that does not support any live export of animals from Australia. But in the short term, we're really focused on the, uh, the phase out of the live sheep export industry and uh, want to see the federal government follow through on their policy with that. That was Dr Suzanne Fowler, RSPCA Australia's Chief Science Officer. And just to give some context, a survey conducted in 2022 found 78% of Australians would support a phase-out of live exports if farmers were supported through the transition. The RSPCA has, as we heard, called on the federal government to phase-out live exports in this term of government. As always, we will just have to wait and see. And that is all for this morning's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back the Savo at three. And before we go, today's episode was suggested by one of our listeners. Thank you so much for getting in touch. And if you're listening and there's an idea for a story you want to share with us, you'd like us to go a little bit further on, please reach out. You can send us a message on Instagram. Just search The Briefing. And also be sure to join our brand new broadcast channel behind The Briefing while you're there. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Thanks for listening.
listener.